Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. It's Tuesday, October 24, 2023, and you are listening to episode 71, The Dennis Schroeder, War number 71 with the Boston Celtics back in 2022, and is the reigning FIBA Basketball World Cup most valuable player, for those of you who are unaware, of the Walder Sportscast. I'm your host, Chris Walder, and I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. Feel free to follow me on both platforms. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review when you're done here. Really does help me out a bunch. Let's me know you're having a good time. Now, the 2023-2024 NBA season is set to get underway later this evening with a doubleheader of action. We've got a rematch of the Western Conference Finals between the LA Lakers and Denver Nuggets, as well as a later contest between those new-look Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. Although it is kind of funny because I think it was either ESPN or ABC, I forget which outlet it was, that forgot to include a nugget in their graphic for the night. It included Jason Tatum, of all people, who isn't even playing. So the Denver disrespect begins, I suppose. But we're here to talk some basketball, of course, including the upcoming season and some Toronto Raptors hoops as well. And joining me to do that today is Louis Zatzman, the managing editor of Raptors Republic, a staple of Toronto Raptors content on the web and a site that I just recently joined as a writer as well. So be on the lookout for some upcoming pieces from yours truly in the not-too-distant future. Lewis could be found on Twitter at Lewis Zatzman, certainly one of the more knowledgeable Raptors follows on the platform. Great guy to chat with, and I think you're really going to enjoy the interview today. But before Lewis joins me, of course, as a cheap plug for my last show, I had a young gentleman named Cashton, the owner of the Pascal Propaganda Twitter account, on the show with me to talk about Siakam's future with the Raptors franchise, as well as Cashton's own fandom of the team as well. He had a pretty epic rant on Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment that I think you're all going to love. So give Cashton a follow on Twitter at Pascal Fan Club and listen to that episode when you can. With all of that being said, though, Louis Satzman of Raptors Republic joins me after this quick break. So keep it locked. Perfect. is Louis Satzman, the managing editor of Raptors Republic, as well as a freelance writer for the Milwaukee Bucks. Follow him on Twitter at Louis Zatzman. Louis, thanks for joining me today, buddy. Hey, Chris, I really appreciate it. It's a, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Well, the honor is all mine for having you. And first off, I just want to thank you uh, personally. I've done this uh, before, but I want to thank you on the air for inviting me to be a part of Raptors Republic this season. I'm very much looking forward to getting back into the thick of it and contributing as much as I can. I feel like writing is like riding a bike. It, like, once you start getting into the swing of it, it's like it comes naturally. And it's been a minute for me, but again, I am really uh, flattered that you asked me to come aboard. But before we get into that, off the top, I just want to highlight the Raptors Republic season season opener meet and greet that's taking place on Wednesday for the home opener against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So talk to me about that event, Lewis, and what fans can expect. Yeah, so basically last year we sort of restarted our community, you know, program. Uh, we used to do a lot of community stuff, uh, pandemic 
really put a halt to a lot of that, and we wanted to get a lot of stuff going. You know, watching basketball can be a very isolating thing in today's day and age, which is weird because sports isn't supposed to be that, but, you know, it's not that common that you go to a bar these days and meet a bunch of people that are rooting for the same team, and so we just wanted to get, you know, those those things back in our lives. And last year was good. We want to do a lot more this year, so... Uh, so at this uh, season opener, it'll be really exciting. We're doing a live podcast. Uh, Samson Folk will be there. He's going to be recording. Uh, I'm going to be at the game. We sort of alternate credentials. So he was kind enough to let me take the home opener cred so that he could be there, which is really exciting. He's, you know, a fantastic um, personality and podcaster. And it's just going to be a blast. Uh, you know, Raptors Republic people are all you know, really kind and outgoing and, and great fans and really good, you know, vibes and personality and environment watching games with, with everyone. So uh, really bummed I can't be there, but if you can, it would just, it's going to be so much fun. I remember that viral moment from one of the previous draft parties that Raptors Republic held where uh, everyone was watching and responding live to the Scotty Barnes pick and a lot of yes. shaking heads, a lot of disappointment in the air. Were you there for that event? Because uh, again, it, it's one of those more infamous Raptor fans moments. I was, I was there. Uh, there was one person who wasn't only cheering, he was shaming everyone else who was booing. <laughs> it was phenomenal. I, I don't know who it was, but that person really has a lot of um, clout or should have a lot of clout to wield. No, I was busy drinking, so I was neither cheering nor booing. I was just hanging out. Yeah, you, you weren't involved at all. You knew exactly what was going on. You knew the superstar potential that Scotty Barnes had, but just a fun moment just kind of popped into my head. But again, for everyone who wants to attend this week, it's at Three Brewers on 275 Young Street at 7 p.m., free for Raptors Republic subscribers. And, and that kind of leads me to my next question, Lewis, because... Running a site like this like you do, and, and just sports media in general these days, I find it difficult to make a buck. But back in October of last year, Raptors Republic did start putting some of its content behind a paywall, a very reasonable ask if I do say so myself. How has that change been for the site thus far? Like, what's the response been? Are you seeing it pay dividends, Lewis? Yeah, the response has been mostly positive. I think readers generally understand that it's very hard to have content that's quality and free um, and Raptors Republic is you know has been free for a long time but a lot of that has been based on alumni sort of cutting their teeth before moving on you know Blake Murphy uh, Will Liu Eric Kareen was there for a stretch James Herbert was there you know a lot of the biggest names and Katie Heindel Vivek Jacobs a lot of the biggest names in sports media not just in our market but nationally have been at Rapper's Republic, and uh, I we wanted the idea was to not lose people who are phenomenal, and so you know, like you said, I'm I am a freelancer. I write all over, but I want Rapper's Republic to at least be part of my home forever. And uh, but it can't just be me and Samson. There needs to be. The idea of bringing up new voices, you know, there has to be more people in the works. Um, and we couldn't do that with the budget we were on. You know, Google takes an increasingly larger chunk. We just couldn't pay people. And it's just so unfair to ask people to write and not pay them. And so this was the only solution, really, that we found. And, uh, you know, we're, we're so lucky to have so many people there. Yourself, you know, very much a part of that. 
but a lot of really new writers, you know, Mackay Bruce um, is a really great name who who's just on the come up, who's phenomenal. Uh, Raptors Republic will continue to sort of introduce a lot of the best people in sports media to the market. And the only way we found that could work was with a paywall. As far as how it's going, it's going well. You know, it's something that needs to improve, I think. Uh, it's not at a sustainable level yet, but it's much, much, much closer than it was. And, uh, you know, we can at least say this is going to survive for a little while yet. Well, those big names in sports media, Lewis, I truly do believe that includes your own name. Of course, you're <laughs> in that conversation. And I am happy to hear the site is thriving because uh, you invited me onto that Zoom call where I was basically, you know, intertwined with the rest of the Raptors Republic team. You have such a large staff, so many talented people. And, and like you alluded to, I've been privileged in my life, in my own sports media career to work with a lot of alumni from the site like a Blake Murphy like a William Liu which was a real thrill for me and you as the managing editor editor of the site Lewis there must be a lot of pressure as far as juggling the content who comes aboard and what goes out do you ever feel it some days or has this process <laughs> become so natural for you at this point no so the only time I feel it is I need to log on every day before 9 a.m because uh, 9 a.m. is when the first piece goes up, and I just need to make sure the day is set in, you know, on the back end, that everything that should be going up is set up, that everyone who signed up for pieces has actually written them. So the only stress I feel is I also, um, you know, dress and feed my kid before that, and I take <laughs> him to daycare, and then I take my dog to the park. And if there's traffic, sometimes I'm cutting it a little close, getting home before 9 a.m. That's the only time I'm feeling the pressure where I'm really, like, looking at the clock, you know, uh, stressed out about what, what might happen. But no, in general, um, people are really good at what they do. Um, and I have to do so little oversight. It's actually just a lot easier than it could be than it is for a lot of other people in, in editing roles. I'm very thankful, by and large. Give yourself some more credit, Lewis. Give yourself a pat <laughs> on the back. It's a large team that you have to deal with, and finding that work-life balance, even before recording here, we were talking about you know how, again, you are a family man. You have a dog that needs constant walks, and uh, <laughs> we're recording this on a Sunday evening. It's been very cold out here in Lindsay, Ontario, Toronto, Ontario, to boot. And I do want to talk to you a little bit about, of course, the Toronto Raptors, because like I said earlier, the season is is starting on Wednesday. They're coming off a pretty impressive 4-0 run in the preseason, the first time in franchise history, I believe, that they went undefeated uh, in these meaningless games, of course. But, Lewis, is it a big deal, little deal, no deal, Toronto holding down the fort like that in the preseason? Because there was certainly a lot to like from that level of play. I think the record is no deal, uh, but individual performances are certainly not nothing. Um, I see a lot of little deals that, you know, taken in concert maybe changes your um, pessimism versus optimism level coming into right. the year. Uh, so probably the biggest thing is Scotty Barnes, right? I'm writing a piece about him right now, actually. This will be up 9 a.m. tomorrow, so maybe before this podcast? I'm not sure. But uh, I was just looking at the, at the stats um, from preseason, and per 36 numbers... There's four players who have averaged 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists um, per game, per 36 minutes in the preseason uh, over the last six years. Uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and now Scotty Barnes. It seems like you can't luck your way into that. 
right? That those are right. that's a group that you're not really joining by virtue of oh it's preseason so whatever because then other guys would have got there. So, you know, Barnes was just so phenomenal that to me, uh, I'm not sure it changes my expectations of wins losses for the season, but it definitely changes how um, optimistic I am in terms of fun, in terms of energy. And in terms of where the Raptors stand on sort of the path to a championship, because they weren't there this year anyway, so what the year might mean to a championship, even if they don't win more games, still might be more meaningful towards a future championship. You talked about Scotty Barnes there, and I've seen some of the stories that go up on the site. The X's and O's that your staff knows about basketball, it goes very in-depth. And for anyone who isn't subscribed to Raptors Republic, I would do so strictly for that level of content that you're not going to see anywhere else on the web. But about Scotty Barnes, Lewis, you know, a world of potential in my eyes. I have my shtick on social media where I kind of boost him to no end. But now this <laughs> this third season in the NBA, there's a lot of pressure on him. There's no more Fred Van Vliet. Barnes is going to be expected to score more, to facilitate, to run the offense. What are you personally expecting to see from Barnes this year, Lewis? Like, what's the bare minimum you need out of him to feel like positive strides were made? Yeah, great question. I think how... So if it's one number that I'm watching most significantly, it's free throw attempts. Right. Because he has for so long not been able to get to the rim. His individual scoring abilities have been, you know, really impressive aesthetically, but inconsistent. You know, oftentimes when he is facing a defense geared up on him, sinking in the lane, there's not a ton he's been able to do to just put the ball in the basket when the ball's in his hands. You know, he's great when other players are succeeding. He's a great offensive rebounder, great cutter, great passer. You know, he's really good at filling in the little stuff. But when the team needs something and the the ball's in his hands and they say, just make something out of nothing, he hasn't had that. And the way that he will succeed there is just by putting his head down, getting to the rim, because he is enormous. And that's where he's most successful. So when he's getting to the rim a ton, he's going to be getting to the free throw line a ton, which he more than doubled his per 36 free throws from preseason this year to regular season last year. And so I'm watching those free throws attempts. If it is up around seven-ish per 36, I'm really happy. Whatever else is going on with his season. Is there more pressure on Scotty Barnes to develop internally just as a basketball player? Or do you think there's more of a spotlight on new head coach Darko Ryakovich, who you'd have to think part of the reason that he was hired in the first place was his ability to perhaps take Barnes to that next level. Do you think with Darko in play, no longer Nick Nurse, and, and again, Barnes did have his his issues last year during his sophomore season, what are you expecting out of the new head coach, Darko Ryakovich, to kind of take Barnes to a level that he hasn't yet achieved? Yeah, so it's, it's funny. The way you phrase that, I, I completely agree is it more pressure on one than the other? Well, it's intertwined. If Barnes is succeeding, Ryakovich gets a pass. Everyone's happy. And if yes. Barnes is not living up to the pressure, well, then Ryakovich is under the spotlight. And so you're absolutely right. Barnes' success is could be probably mandate number one for any head coach. And in fact, I imagine in that interview, the very first question is, how do you maximize Scotty Barnes for whomever they were considering hiring? And so how I actually was fascinated because I felt like Ryakovich's approach was quite different in preseason than what the lip service was. 
coming into the year, Ryakovich said he's a point guard. We need to put the ball in his hands, you know, run a lot more of the offense. Or maybe he didn't say that. Maybe I'm putting words in his mouth. But, you know, the fan base said that a lot. Right. Media said that a lot. It was a big, you know, buzz phrase, so to speak. But in preseason, Scotty Barnes was a big. I mean, he was setting screens. He was in the post. He was a handoff hub. On defense, he was just a big. He wasn't, you know, guarding all those speedy guards like Nick Nurse used to ask him to do. And I felt like that simplification of his role on both ends actually really allowed him to be more diverse in his successes, you know, paradoxically. Uh, but him not having to do everything and just saying, this is your job, that lets him really do that job in such a unique way because he has such a unique game. And so uh, even though everyone expected Barnes to sort of have the ball in his hands, I felt like that wasn't the case this preseason, and he really succeeded in his narrower role. And I'm actually hoping that, yeah, maybe Barnes does become that point forward later on, but I think right now I'd like to him see him be more of a, a power forward center much more of the time. See him at the elbows, with and without the ball, setting screens, you know, bruising around the rim. That's where he's most successful, and letting his game flow from that core of brilliance, I think will allow him to have the best season of his career. Lewis Satsman of Raptors Republic here with me on the Walder Sportscast today. Lewis, with Darko, what are some of those early takeaways from the on-court philosophies he's trying to instill? And maybe even behind the scenes with how the players are taking to him and his coaching early on. Because I don't feel like, you know, with Nick Nurse, he wasn't ever going to be confused for being a player's coach. But with Darko, we're seeing glimpses of that. By and large, absolutely. We've even seen Malachi Flynn, Chris Boucher say, wow, it's great to be encouraged uh, and leave it at that. I mean, a lot of heavy insinuations in what they've said. But uh, at the same time, Pascal Siakam, who is right now by far the best player on the team. Like, don't get me wrong. Scotty Barnes, really promising, great preseason. Pascal's the star. He is the team. And it's to be determined what the relationship is between Pascal and Darko. And Pascal even said as much on Media Day. Everyone was saying, you know, good vibes. It's Media Day. Talk about the good vibes. He said, well, we don't really know each other yet, which is very honest, but not really what people usually say on media day. And so Ryakovich it very much seems like a player's coach. You know, the young guys, the guys who have in the past had up and down roles are already very clear they love him. Gary Trent Jr. even said, I had the longest conversation with him already that I've ever had with any coach. That's quite telling. And yet, <laughs> how his relationship with Pascal goes, I think is... Um, well, definitely more important than than with all the rest of those players. So, you know, so far a you know so far an A, but the potential for that grade to change massively, as far as his relationship with players, the, the vibes. But honestly, the team winning, the team in training camp playing playing differently, you know, Ryakovich has already done as much as he could to this point, right? You can't expect him to move mountains in preseason, but what you can expect is to get the team playing differently. They are. They're buying in. You know, mm -hmm. guys like him so far. So it's only preseason. You know, they haven't even hit difficulties yet. They haven't even lost a game yet, let alone played a regular season game. But as far as, you know, the, the low bar, he has cleared it in every way so far. It's very early, and we don't have a lot to kind of work off of, but 
just based on whatever criteria you want to put out there, Lewis, which Toronto Raptor do you think is going to benefit the most from Darko's presence this season? I think Scotty Barnes has to be Scotty, right? For for all the reasons we discussed, and it's clear that he is prioritizing Barnes in terms of how the offense is run, which Nick Nurse never did. Nick Nick just said, this is how we're playing, Scotty, figure it out. And he did really well, to his credit. But Ryakovic is changing it. Uh, so, for, I mean, we've already discussed that, though, so I'll give you a second answer. I think Precious Achua uh, really okay. might see massive improvement under under Ryakovic. Uh, he is a great cutter, a great mover. He plays really well in space and pace. And the Raptors sort of... Um, bruising static offense over the past few years uh, has not benefited Precious Achua. And I think if he gets the ball in space off of cuts and screens and slips and in transition, we're going to see, you know, a huge explosion from his abilities because he's just so unbelievably athletic. Uh, And I think he's going to have ups and downs. You know, when he is asked to make really quick decisions, you're definitely going to see games where he's not able to do that. So he might not benefit everyone else in the system all the time. He certainly will sometimes. But the system will definitely massively benefit him. Lewis, I have an imaginary gun to your head because I want picks. (laughs) I want solid picks. How are the Raptors going to fare this season in terms of their total wins? How far do you think they get, whether it's the play-in or the playoffs or if they fail to qualify at all? How does this year ultimately end for Toronto, Lewis? I think 39 wins is what I am expecting. Uh, preseason might have changed that. I, I had 39 before. I haven't updated it, but they looked really good in preseason, but it's, you know, it's just preseason. Um, I have couched it a little low because I think it's likely that at least one of Siakam, Ananobi, Gary Trent, the three upcoming free agents, I think one of them will likely be traded during the year, which will, of course, hurt the team's win total. And, uh, you know, listeners may hate this. I know readers hate this. But a lot of the team's success last year after the trade deadline was the Fred Van Vliet, Jakob Pertl pick and roll. And as Mm. much as Fred became a villain, I think wrongfully, he really drove the team's offensive success to end the year. And without him, the Raptors uh, have to prove that they will be able to recreate that half-court structure. You know, they did uh, a little bit in preseason. Their half-court offense was generally quite poor if you take out the Cairns game, um, which is telling. But uh, so so for those reasons, uh, I think they're probably not going to be as good as they were last year. But more shooting, Otto Porter Jr. back, you know, um, Scotty Barnes taking a little bit of a leap. They do have a higher ceiling, you know, if no one's traded. So, so 39's where I settled. I think they probably miss the play-in okay. and end up... Uh, oh no, pardon me. I forgot the play-in was 9-10 as well. I think they probably make the play-in and end up very similarly to how they did this past year. You know, might not even make the second play-in game, let's say. I had this tweet that I sent out maybe a little over a week ago where I said that Fred Van Vliet is the better player, in my opinion, but I think Raptors fans are going to look back and say that Dennis Schroeder was the right guy at the right time to lead this new look offense under new head coach Darko Ryakovic. Would you add any credence to that? Or is it just maybe if Fred Van Vliet stuck around, he could also kind of instigate this new look flow for the Raptors? Yeah, I think 
there are some benefits to Schroeder, definitely. He asks for far fewer touches, which fans will like a lot. He can really just let the ball go and, and stand in the corner or cut a little bit and not demand a lot of usage. Um, he is a great corner turner. He's going to hit the paint, which mm-hmm. is by far, to me, his best skill. And what the Raptors needed most from Van Fleet in the play-in game when Vucevic was switching onto him and he failed to perform. So, you know, that's going to be really, really helpful. Uh, on the defensive end, he is quite sticky. Uh, on ball, he's going to be an upgrade from Van Fleet. He lost a lot of defensive juice over the past you know, year and a half. And so I think Schroeder, if he stays locked in and engaged, will be a defensive improvement. But all of those positives aside, uh, you know, maybe you're right that given the current system, you want a guy who just asks for less and offers less, lets you put the ball in the hands of Siakam and Barnes. Um, but as you say, definitely offers less, right? In a vacuum, Van Fleet is a better player. Look, it's not 2019 anymore. I don't think the Raptors are being confused for a championship contender. There's no Kawhi Leonard. There's no superstar at the moment. And and who knows? Like you said, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., their days with the Toronto Raptors may be numbered. But I know we're Raptors guys. I know you're the managing editor of Raptors Republic. But there are 29 other teams in the NBA. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I just want to get your thoughts on a few major topics heading into the NBA season. It's rapid fire. Just give me your quick response for and we'll try to tackle as many as possible. Amazing. All right, so Lewis, who is the best team in the Eastern Conference right now? Is it the Boston Celtics or Milwaukee Bucks? Okay, I think this is a fun question. So a weird answer. I think against any other team, the Celtics are probably a little bit of a stronger team. But against each other, which I think is very likely to be the Eastern Conference Finals, I give Milwaukee the edge. Look, I would love to hear your explanation. I know you're a Bucks guy and you write for the team. You might be a little bit biased. And look, I'm I'm on board. I think Milwaukee would probably take Boston in a seven-game series. Just kind of give me the quick jot notes of why you like the Bucks. I think Milwaukee's size uh, with with Brooke Lopez and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo can really take the rim away from anyone, as they've done for the past several years. Uh, and when the rim is sort of eliminated, uh, the, the Celtics have been shown to grind down. On in offense, they they settle for a lot of pull up twos. You know, a lot of bad habits come back in the playoffs for Tatum uh, and Brown. And I'm not sure if you can put the Bucks into the mud. Maybe you can, but Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo are such an an unbelievably explosive and complementary duo that I don't see any defense being able to put the Bucks in the mud in the half court. And when one team can make the other grind into pull-up jumpers and the other team is able to create more valuable looks, I think that's an advantage. Who do you think is going to miss the player more based on these two situations? Will Boston miss Marcus Smart or will Milwaukee miss Drew Holiday more? Oh, man. Both teams are going to miss them a lot because Damian Lillard is... Unbelievable, but certainly not the defender. Especially that lock-and-trail defense that Drew plays. Just not what Dame is able to offer. So they're going to miss Drew a lot on the defensive end. And Marcus Smart, the same. I mean, obviously Drew Holiday is, is phenomenal and better, I think, than Marcus Smart. But that guy bled green, right? He was the core. He was the heart. Right. And when you perform open-heart surgery... 
You never know what kind of complications can arise. And so on paper, the Celtics might have replaced him perfectly. They might have a superior team. But there are so many ways you can lose a guy like Smart and not and lose stuff without even expecting it. So I think both teams are going to miss both guys. I, I don't really have a um, one more than the other. They're just they're both players that you can't replace. True or false, Lewis, a player not named Victor Wembanyama will win NBA Rookie of the Year. Obviously false. Victor Wembanyama, Wembanyama was preposterous in preseason. I mean, he yeah. scored, like, he might be an all-star. He is so good. He's. I was expecting the world, and he gave more than the world. Who's your number two guy then? Are you a Chet Holmgren fan? Are you looking at Scoot Henderson? Like, if if the worst situation happens with Victor Wembanyama and he misses a good chunk of the season, who's next in line for that hardware? Definitely Holmgren. Um, I think the the Thompson um, twins and and uh, Scoot Henderson, those guys are unbelievable prospects they're going to be very talented in the future but rookies are generally not helpful uh, I think Chet will probably be helpful right off the bat largely because the context suits him in that the team really needs a spacing big he's a spacing big the team really needs a rim protecting big he's a rim protecting big and so his numbers are just going to be really boosted by the, how much the team needs him whereas you know scoring guards teams always have that unless you're the Toronto Raptors so yeah if uh, someone comes second, or if you know disaster happens, knock on wood, it doesn't, and someone wins other than than Wembenyama. Yeah, I would I would take Chet. The, well, the Memphis Grizzlies announced today. Speaking of bigs, that Stephen Adams is going to be out for the rest of the season. And you look at that roster, Lewis. John Morant is suspended for a good chunk of the season. Brandon Clark is still recovering from an injury. Dylan Brooks is now a member of the Houston Rockets. All of this combined, are the Memphis Grizzlies just basically out of the title conversation? No, I, I don't think so, actually. They still have two stars in Jaron Jackson Jr., who is a unique star, no one like him in the league, and in Desmond Bain, right? They're a, they're a three-star team with John Morant, and yeah, they're going to be missing a lot of talent and a lot of depth, but they just have the top-end talent that they should be able to uh, walk their way to 45 to 50 wins, even if Morant were to sit out all season. He is going to come back, right? They are going to figure out the big rotation, whether it's by trade or when Clark gets back. And so, no, I, I don't think they're out of the conversation at all. They just, Jaron Jackson Jr. to me is so special that uh, they're going to figure it out. Lewis, is James Harden going to end the calendar year as a Philadelphia 76er? And by that, obviously, <laughs> I mean, is he still going to be on the team on December 31st? Is he going to end the calendar year as a player within the NBA? Whoa, hot take. He is so good at basketball. It's crazy. He reinvented an entire approach that, I mean, it's not as popular now, but Helio Ball was completely based on how James Harden played. And then he reinvented himself in Philadelphia as, you know, sort of a low-usage point guard. He was he led the right. league in assists last year. He is so good and so helpful, but he seemingly can't get out of his own way. And no team seems to want him right now. If Terrence Mann is holding up a deal, then I don't really know. Something, the shoe has to drop, right? It's on one side or the other. And either he needs to accept 
I am who I am. I need to just play where I am. Or he won't accept that, and no one wants him, and that can, you know, go south fast. (laughs) And lastly, Lewis, likely or unlikely, for the sixth year in a row, a fresh face is going to win the NBA championship, meaning this season a new champion will be crowned, not the Raptors, Lakers, Bucks, Warriors, or Nuggets. I say very unlikely. Uh, To me, the Nuggets are the favorite by a, a small margin, followed by the Bucks, um, potentially the Celtics as a third possibility, maybe the Suns, but I think given the Bucks and the Nuggets are in that group, that's a that's over 50%, I think, between those two teams in terms of odds. Who do you, and I'm pulling out that imaginary gun again, Lewis, I'm sticking it to your head. What new team would you think would be the favorite? Would you favor Boston or Phoenix or somebody else entirely? Great. I haven't considered, um, maybe Boston. I really like Phoenix's acquisition of Bradley Beal. Even though he loves the mid-range, he also is great at getting to the rim and kicking out at driving, you know, keeping the the chains moving, so to speak, on offense. I think he will help Phoenix a lot. They have depth. But Boston has been so close for so long that upgrading around the edges with Drew Holiday and and Porzingis, if, if, uh, you know, he's healthy, uh, if they don't regret the smart loss, you know, if all stays true and their heart keeps beating, they are so talented that, yeah, I think I'd have to give them the edge over Phoenix. Well, Godspeed to Phoenix, because if one of those big three sits out for a good chunk of the season due to injury, man, their chances yeah. kind of plummet, uh, in my opinion. And we're Raptors guys, Lewis. We, we can't be looking at Boston as a title contender. We're going to be hurting our <laughs> mojo here in the city. That's just, it comes with the territory. But again, Lewis, I, I really do appreciate your basketball takes here today. You are certainly one of the more knowledgeable follows on my Twitter timeline. And I thank you for your time today. Good Sir, but before we sign off, though, I do have some fun final questions to send you on your way. Also, uh, that's so kind of you, man. You're always so, so kind and uh, sweet, and I really, really appreciate it, and you. And yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Okay, hit me with these with these quick questions. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Again, I like boosting people up around me because I think that's just the best way to go through life. But here on the Walder Sportscast, I do have a new game that I've been doing over the past several episodes that's been inspired by a TikTok trend that is essentially a blind ranking. And how this works is I'm going to give you five names, Lewis, and you're going to need to rank them one through five, but you're not going to know who comes next. And they are all connected in some way. I'm not going to be changing the names on you at the last moment, and I'm not going to tell you how they're connected, although you may figure that out as we kind of go along with the game here. So it's a blind ranking, one through five. Does that sound good? I love it. All right. So the first player on this list, Lewis, is Josh Giddy. Four. Four, okay. Yeah, usually the safe start is going three or four. You don't know who else I'm going to be throwing out at you. Uh, And again, once I start reading off some of these names, you may see the connection. So we have Josh Giddy at four. Next up, Cade Cunningham. Okay, I do see the connection. Two. All right, so Cade Cunningham at two and Josh Giddy at four. Next up, Franz Wagner. Three. Three. Okay, so we have, I'm already forgetting the list. So we (laughs) you had Josh Giddy at four, Cade Cunningham at two, and Franz Wagner at three. Next up, Scotty Barnes. One. 
Oh, okay. Good answer. Play it safe. Scotty Bard's at number one. And then last but not least, Jalen Green. Five. Okay, so you have your list now. Would you make any changes? Like, now that it's it's completely blind, but how would you do it if you had a actual say, Lewis? Yeah, no changes. Uh, I think I got lucky starting with four, but I was really hoping you wouldn't end up with Mobley because then I would have had to make changes. <laughs> Obviously, I wouldn't have put Mobley five, but but yeah, the list you gave me, I, I'm, I like what I gave. Yeah, I'm happy I started at four. Do you think Scotty Barnes kind of gets a, a bad rep online? Because, again, that is such a deep draft class. We're going to be looking at that class like a decade from now and considering it an all-timer. Do you think Barnes is just kind of getting the short end of the stick? Like, he was the rookie of the year, for crying out loud. Hey, it's the internet, man. Everyone gets the short end of the stick all the time. <laughs> you don't have to tell me, Lewis. Look, I've, I've bared the brunt of it myself. But a question I always ask here on the Walder Sportscast, Lewis, it's what my guests are currently binge-watching. And I know you're a busy guy, you're a family guy, you're taking that dog out multiple times a day, but what are you currently streaming, like, in terms of shows, or if it's nothing at all, what's the last great show that you caught on the regular? Oh, so I'm actually watching my way through Community right now. Um, because I've seen it so many times before, it's sort of like a comfort show to watch while I'm working at the same time. Uh, so yeah, really enjoying Community. The last great show that I watched for the first time, I don't even know, man. Not much of a TV guy, it seems like. Yeah, you have so much on your plate. You're not watching TV. I watched... Yeah, it's funny. I just... Um, I feel like in the pandemic, uh, people's media consumptions really turned to the um, repetitive. Like, people didn't listen to as much new music. They listened to music they knew. You know, the same with books and movies and TV. And people just sort of t turned back to, like, comfort food. And, uh, and I'm not sure if my TV watching has covered ever since so i was about to say since you are a community fan you are aware that they are making a movie correct you excited for the film about community six seasons in a movie baby uh oh yeah yeah i'm okay uh i can't lie i have very low expectations um seasons <laughs> five and six were terrible but if you yeah. bring back dan Harmon, uh and obviously if you um bring bring back all the characters then which they say they have, then, you know, it could be phenomenal. But they ended so poorly that I need to see it to believe it. They're not bringing Chevy Chase back, are they? Because he was pretty vulgar and rude considering his time on the show. Yeah, he was, they all hated him. Maybe they aren't. Yeah. Maybe they aren't. Uh, and, and he <laughs> died in the show as well. So that would be strange to bring Oh, yeah, back. he did. Man, I got to rewatch Community. It's been a minute. I tried to get my wife to watch it. She wasn't feeling it, but... Again, finding shows that we can both binge. We're, we're, we watched Vanderpump Rules. We're watching Below Deck at the moment. Have Has your wife ever looked at you and, and said, we need to watch some reality television together? You ever get sucked into that? Uh, no, I, I, I stand strong. She does watch, you know, Selling selling Sunset, Selling the OC. I think that's okay. the same show. Um, she does watch that. I'll be in the same room, but I, I, I don't even know any character's name. I, I don't pay any attention. <laughs> Well, I deep dive on, on Twitter uh, for a lot of my research here on the Walder Sportscast, but I also happen to look at everyone's LinkedIn page. And your LinkedIn page taught me that you previously <laughs> taught ESL, English as a Second Language, at the, and if, excuse me if I'm uh, incorrectly saying this, the Handvit Language Academy in Korea. So what was that experience like for you, Lewis? Because I feel like that's not only an amazing job opportunity, but a lot of people are doing that these days. Yeah, Hanvit. You do your research. That's as close to getting uh, Nardward as I'm ever going to get, I imagine. <laughs> um, 
So, first of all, I love that. No one's ever asked me this before. I loved working in Korea. Um, I really enjoyed teaching. Um, that's my other job right now, by the way. I'm an LSAT tutor, and so I, I still teach um, because I enjoyed teaching so much. Um, I loved my students. I loved living in Korea. The food was phenomenal. I made tons of friends. My wife, um, who is, you know, from Toronto, which is really boring, but I actually met her in Korea. We taught at the same school. Um, so I have, I mean, honestly, I recommend it to everyone I ever meet. It was so phenomenal. I, I learned so much and just had an unbelievable year. And I came back because I was starting a master's in history. And I mm -hmm. was considering deferring, but I won a non-deferrable scholarship, and I sort of had to come back. Um, but I don't know. I kind of feel like I should have stayed for another year or two. It was just so unbelievable. And, you know, you, you, ideal, you idealize times and moments like that looking back when your life has changed and you had no responsibilities then, and now I only have responsibilities. <laughs> and, you know, the grass might be always greener, but man, what a wonderful time. I could not suggest it more. Well, you've had a lot of job titles uh, over your life, Lewis, and one, and I, I <laughs> yeah. really hope this is true because it could mean something else entirely, but your LinkedIn page also said that you are a ghost storyteller. And I hope this is not just like you're a ghost writer for other people and you're just writing stories on their behalf, but like you have some sort of paranormal phenomenon that you've written books about in the past. Please tell me I'm correct, Lewis. The Haunted Walks in Kingston. I was uh, one of their tour guides. I told stories about all the ghosts and uh, hangings yes. that had happened in the city. I, I liked that job. I hated the dressing up. I thought that was stupid. But uh, I really enjoyed telling ghost stories. It was fun. And in fact, about the writing stories, I actually, because I'd worked in radio for a long time before that, um, mm -hmm. convinced the company to pay me to go to um, the National Archives. I forget the name of the library, but whatever it is in Ottawa. And I did a bunch of research on all the capital punishments in Kingston. And I made a podcast about a lot of the like actual hangings and murders that had happened um, you know, not ghost stories, but but real, um, you know, true crime type stuff and made a podcast about it, which was really, really fun for the company. So, yeah, that, that was a good job. That was fun. Were you wearing like a top hat and like a long coat looking like straight out of medieval times? Or what was your outfit like when you were doing these tours? So the top hat came, I, I, <laughs> I gave a second tour for them after a while, which was like a time traveling thing. And I wore a top hat for that. But uh, I wore all black. <laughs> Uh, black jeans, black t-shirt, a black cape, and black shoes, and that, that was it, yeah. That, that was the outfit. <laughs> I'm so glad I was right about this. I was hoping that I wasn't just misinterpreting <laughs> your LinkedIn page, because that would have been an abomination on my part. But again, Lewis, that's awesome. I could do a whole other podcast about uh, your life doing that. But lastly, here on the Walder Sportscast, a recurring question for all of my guests. If social media disappeared forever, effective immediately, no more tweets, videos, and for the sake of this conversation, let's include Raptors Republic and all online media into the equation as well. Lewis, what is the one thing you would want your readers and followers to most remember you for? Whoa, what a question. Wow. Uh, if I were remembered, okay, being remembered at all is what a treat. I wouldn't consider myself to be remembered by anyone but all right we're going to assume that that's awesome love that getting you know that little giddy <laughs> feeling inside the idea of being remembered um what would i be remembered for i would hope writing um creatively uh i imagine anyone who's read my work it's probably not a surprise i also write fiction 
um, trying to sell a novel right now, actually. And, uh, and I, I love basketball. I love writing about basketball. But I think I enjoy writing my leads more than I enjoy writing about basketball, writing about history or, or whatever else. And so if I were to be remembered for anything, I would hope it's for just the, the writing style, you know, how it reads uh, more than more than anything else. Well, Lewis, you are an incredible writer. You're also going to be remembered for those damn ghost tours, which I'm sure a lot of your past <laughs> guests have uh, remembered you for in the past. But again, man, thank you so much for doing the show today. I truly do appreciate your time. And once again, thank you for bringing me aboard to Raptors Republic. I'm so excited to get started with you and the guys. But before I let you go, remind the listeners where they can find you and your work on the web. Yeah, you can find me uh, Twitter, Lewis, Lewis Atzman. Uh, you can also find my work at NBA.com for the Bucks and uh, at Raptors Republic, of course, for the Raptors. Chris, I'm so excited. We're going to be working together, going to be hanging out more, chatting more. It's just things could not be better. I really appreciate the chance to pal it up on the podcast, man. And that was my interview with Louis Zatzman. That's Louis Zatzman on Twitter. The Haunted Ghost Tours note, I'm so glad I found that. And hey, sometimes you have to deep dive on a guest. That's one of my favorite parts of interviewing is throwing questions at my guests that they don't see coming. I try my best as always, and I really hope this was a memorable show for Lewis because it certainly was for me. Now, this has been episode 71 of the Walder Sportscast. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Please leave a rating and review if you enjoyed the show. It really does help grow the audience and get some more ears checking us out. You can subscribe to the podcast at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, Amazon, basically anywhere you download your shows. I have more interviews lined up with some incredible guests, so stay tuned for those. But for now, that's another one in the books. So as always, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. <laughs>